working in England for a couple of years, and uh, let's just say I wasn't walking with the Lord uh, in a very real way. Uh, my friend Andrew and I, I think we frequented uh, bars every single night. I think we counted six months running without a single night being in a bar somewhere. And then my mom had this friend, this lady called Margaret, who uh, is a powerhouse of a minister, a powerhouse of a woman of God. And uh, she was my mom's age. And so this, this lady uh, invited me and my friend Andrew to come spend a weekend with her and her husband. They led a church in a, in a, a small city in, in, uh, in England. And here we got on a Friday night and we got to their house. It was very weird, you know, two young 20-year-olds hanging out in this lady's house with their husband, and she puts the ashtrays down for us, and we're like, you're a pastor and a pastor's wife, like, this is weird, and she's like, let's have a nice dinner, put a five-course meal together, and treated us, and it was amazing. Then at the end of dinner, she says, okay, here's a key to the house. It's a nightclub just down the street. Uh, it's like a couple blocks away. Go have fun. It closes at 2 o'clock. We'll have everything ready for you when you get back. And again, I thought, well, this is really weird. She's a pastor and her husband are leading this church. And she's encouraging us to smoke because we were smoking and encouraging us to go to the nightclub. So we go. And the whole night we're at the nightclub like, oh, before uh, the best was, before we go out, she says, go have fun. This is your last weekend of sin. Okay. So here we are in the nightclub, <laughs> music is going, and we're like not having fun. I'm like, what was she talking about? What, what does that mean, the last weekend of sin? Anyway, we get back early because it's weird. And Saturday, they treat us, their family. It was incredible. Uh, Sunday, we go to their church, and, you know, it was church, and I wasn't interested. But we go because she gave us a lot of good food. And uh, we have church, and we come back, another good meal, and then we wanted to leave. She says, okay, before you guys go, we're going to go to the living room and just do some business with the Lord. <sighs> Like, what? It's like, okay, we're going to do some business with the Lord. Margaret is persuasive. We're like, okay. So we go stand there. She clears the coffee table, and me and Andrew stand there. She says, I'm going to pray for you. Okay, so she prays for us. I don't know how long it took. It could be seconds or minutes. I don't know. We were flat on the floor, and my life has never been the same since then. Never been the same since then. My friend, as, as Leo said, we lead a church now with my wife, an incredible team. My friend Andrew leads a church in a city called Rugby in England. The same two guys stood in her living room. Why did I tell you this story? Well, 25 years ago, I left England, and I've seen Margaret maybe five or six times over the 25 years since then. She lives here in Sydney, and she's here tonight over there. <laughs> Margaret... my 30 years of knowing Margaret, she's never lost that fire in her heart. She has traveled all over the world. She was just in Moldova a couple weeks ago. She has a powerful ministry in an age which I'm not allowed to say because it's my mom's age. So whatever you want to call it. But she is a powerhouse of women. And I, I thank you that you carried on the course when it was hard. And I thank you for pushing through with dorky teenagers like me who was very rebellious and for doing it for so many other people. So 
Thank you. I felt to talk tonight about this idea of the ministry of Jesus, which is a ministry of liberty, including the two or three things that he said. If we go to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the, the verse that Jesus chooses as the first verse to read from scriptures, from the Old Testament scriptures, the, one of the first things he says is, is let, let me read a few. Luke 4, 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus chose this verse out of all of Isaiah's prophecies to introduce himself. Yet when we look at the church today, we think all Jesus came to do was to preach the news to the poor. And if you're radical, you pray for healing for people. Like, okay, we, we preach and people have healing. It's mostly emotional healing, which is good and important. But, you know, the other healing, we've got good doctors now. And, and if you look at the church in general, especially in America where we're from, yeah, we preach really good. And some churches really go for it in the areas of healing. But why have we forgotten the third leg to the stool? The third leg to Jesus' ministry, which is to set free those who are captives. To set, bring liberty to his children. Amen? If you look at the Gospels, you see for the most part, when Jesus healed people, he also delivered people. And this was news to me up until two or three years ago. I'm a slow learner. I'm just going to be honest. It was news to me. I'm like, huh, it's a fringe ministry. I thank God for the old ladies who, do the, who kept the prayer meetings going for so long or, or the weird people who kept the deliverance ministry going for so long and, and we kept them fringe. Old ladies, thank you for keeping the prayer meetings going. Hopefully we're all joining you now. Those who are, yeah, I've got to say this over and over tonight. Deliverance is not a fringe ministry. It is not just for the super spiritual. Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor, to bring healing to those who are sick, and to set free those who are captive. Amen? In the last year in our church, we, we lead a church in Columbus, Ohio. Anybody know Ohio? Okay, a couple people, yay, that's good. Or maybe you're just loud, but that's okay. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, it's a college city. We've got a college, Ohio State campus, 68,000 students on campus. And we're like five blocks away from them. And we have this privilege of ministering to so many young people who know about Jesus or some version of Jesus, but they don't know the real Jesus yet. They've never experienced and encountered Jesus yet. And we have the privilege of ministering to a group of people People like this. In the last year, these are some testimonies we've heard from people just in the last few months healed from depression, debilitating anxiety, the kind of anxiety that they wouldn't leave their bedrooms for weeks on end, bipolar disorder, multiple suicide attempts, multiple people with sexual abuse trauma, generational trauma, and eating disorders. In first world, Columbus, Ohio, of the U.S. of A., people are getting delivered and set free, and it is no longer a fringe ministry. Amen? Like I said, I, I used to think it's a, a niche ministry. There's a, a man, Ken Grenfell, who ministers in our church once a year at least. And I'm like, Ken is the deliverance guy. Amen? 
Anybody know a deliverance person? Yeah? And whenever you get to a difficult case, you're like, oh, I wish I knew that guy. I wish he was here. And you bring him in. And that's how I used to treat deliverance or the difficult situations. And then we started preaching through Mark this year. And the beginning of Mark, slowly started going through Mark. And I'm like, deliverance is everywhere. Deliverance is everywhere in the Gospels. How did I miss this? Mark chapter 1. Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit right there in chapter 1. And it says, all who were sick or oppressed by demons were then brought to Jesus. Chapter 1. Later in chapter 1, it says that he was preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Chapter 3. We read another quote, whenever the unclean spirits saw him, the spirits fell down before Jesus and declared that he was the son of God. The demons declared that he was son of God before men did. Mark chapter 3, Jesus sends out his 12 apostles and he gives them authority to cast out demons. Mark chapter 5 there's a legion of demons, and I'm going to dig into this one a little bit. Mark chapter 6, we see that Jesus sends out the disciples again and gives them authority over unclean spirits. I'm going methodically through this because although I believe God is going to do something powerful tonight, I want to equip you, church, to understand this is in the Scripture. And that when you walk out of here, you're going to walk out confident knowing that God has called you to set people free. Because God has given you the authority to speak in His name and see the ministry of Jesus continue. Amen? Chapter 9, Jesus heals a boy with unclean spirit. Mark 16, verse 17, Jesus said, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Those are all Bible references. Just go read Mark. It's the short one. This is my message today. The real Jesus came to set us completely free. The real Jesus came to set us completely free. Will you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5? I'm going to read a lengthy portion, but I really want us to get what happened here with this man who had this legion of demons in him. Mark chapter 5, verse 2, I believe it should be on the screen, but I'm reading from the ESV. It says, when, when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Lest you read this, sorry, I'm interrupting myself. It happens. Picture someone you know and put him in this situation. Otherwise, we read the man in a cave with an unclean spirit and a boat and stepping out of a boat. And you're like, oh, that was so nice. That's so many years ago. That's lovely. There's people you know in this situation. Read them into the story. Amen? Is this a hollerback kind of community? Do you holler back at me? Yeah? Okay. You have total permission. In America, is loud. So give me some. Okay, good, good, good. Verse 3. He lived amongst the tomb, this, this man with the unclean spirit. He lived amongst the tomb, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day amongst the tomb and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. But someone... In this story, someone you know is going through some of these things. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he says, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. 
Verse 9, and Jesus asked him, what's your name? And he replied, my name is a legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, there's a little dialogue going on. I, it's, I don't get it, but here we go. Verse 11, now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs and let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned into the sea. The scenario. Now look what happens. Verse 14. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and the country, and people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there. Look at him. Clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to him what had happened. The demon-possessed man and the pigs, it was a scene. And they began to beg Jesus, depart from the region. This part, again, I, I, I don't quite get. And he was getting into the boat, and the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him, can I come with you? And he said, no, go home, go to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. We'll stop there. Let's look at the precondition of this man. He was living amongst tombs. He was isolated. He was out of community. He was separated from them. He was not in his right mind. It says he was always crying out. He had this extraordinary strength and rage. No one could bind him anymore. And he was cutting himself with stones. This is a picture of a man possessed by a legion of demons, isolated, mentally unwell, enraged, and self-harming. Friends, if this was happening today, it would be very likely that this man would be in an institution or more likely in a prison. How many people in institutions and in prison could be described by what we're seeing over here? How often do we see this behavior and we just assume up front, oh, that's a psychological problem, or there's, there's a medical problem, or there's, there's this kind of problem. We've, we've, we've got good at diagnosing everything and putting it in neat little boxes. When us, Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians should recognize what's going on around us. Do we believe that demons no longer exist or influence people in 2023? I believe that there are people being diagnosed today with depression, mental illness, irrational rage, suicidal tendencies, cutting, and other self-harm, when perhaps some of these people actually need the liberty that Jesus brings. The real Jesus came to set us completely free. It's the kind of freedom that leads to wholeness and health and sanity and community. It's the kind of freedom that allows a person to live with dignity. Amen? Could it be that some of the people currently identifying in our communities as cats or, or things that they're not made to be? It sounds funny. It's happening in our school, in our neighborhood. There are litter boxes in high school bathrooms. Now, please don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that every illness and every mental disease is a demonic activity. Please, let's not be those people. But I'm saying as 
Bible-believing Christians, why don't we even consider it? Why don't we even begin with a prayer and a thought of the deliverance and liberty that Jesus wants to bring into people? Amen? We assume that every one of these situations falls into some sort of illness category. When God has called his people to preach the good news to the poor, to heal those who are sick, and to proclaim liberty to those who are captive. There are so many people in our church who suffer from night terrors. Maybe that's someone here. Maybe that's someone you know. Debilitating nightmares, bipolar disorder, irrational anxieties. And I need to let you know, Jesus, our deliverer, wants to bring you freedom. And he wants to use you to bring freedom to the people that you're ministering to. Amen? If we have to wait for Ken Grenfell every time we want to see the Lord move, this will not be a very effective church. This will not be a very effective nation. It's when each one of us begins to function and walk like my friend Margaret Stunt did, who just said, God can and will touch you today. God can and will heal you today. God can and wants to set you free today. And we need to begin to believe that the same Jesus who did those things can do those things through here, you. The same Jesus filled with the same Holy Spirit that you and I are filled with. We can walk in the Holy Spirit and see these things as a normal course of our lives. Amen? What's the post-condition of this man? Let's look at it. Verse 15, it says that he's sitting down clothed and in his right mind. Verse 19, he wanted to join Jesus and go on the missionary trip. Jesus said, no, go home. You know why? I think. This man had been isolated for so long. Jesus wanted him back in community. He wanted him whole and healed again. How many of us recognize how much we need community when we got locked up for so long? How many people still especially need community? We are finding in Columbus, Ohio, in in our society, that people are still struggling to get out of the COVID lockdown, even though It's all gone away. They don't know how to relate anymore. They don't know how to have community anymore. God wants us free. God wants us free. A few stories, and I've asked these people in our church if I had the permission to share it. Uh, Alyssa is is a a girl in our church, and she was a a believer at the time, and she had multiple suicide attempts and deep depression. And she'd been around the Christian scene, and about five years ago, she came to one of our women's conferences, and she heard in a panel someone just kind of saying this story that you can be free from depression. She'd been walking with the Lord for six or seven years, and no one had ever told her that she can actually be free from depression. So she's like, well, that's weird. A couple years later, she's still processing. Uh, She's in this girl's life group, in in Lindy's life group, and Lindy hears of her suicide attempts and her thoughts and her depression. She's like, no, 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 you don't need to live like that. Let's pray. And they prayed right there in life group, and she got set free and never again had another situation like that. Amen. Alyssa is on staff with us now. Jenna few years later, goes to that same life group a couple of years ago. Jenna has been struggling with bipolar disorder for many years, diagnosed bipolar disorder, was on medication, was learning how to deal with it, but she was a believer, and she had never been told, you could be free from bipolar disorder. You can learn how to manage it. That's what you need to do. 
She goes to the same life group. They have the same conversation. Lindy says, nah, not on my watch. And she prays for her, and she is set free from bipolar disorder. Amen. Now, Jenna took a while. She's a very, she's a teacher. She's like, I'm not just going to go up and give my witness, right? She took another year or two before she's like, I need to know that this is real. Beginning of last year, she comes out. She's like, I've got a testimony. I got a testimony. So she shares her testimony. She shares in a mighty way how God had set her free. A deliverance that didn't look much like a deliverance. You know that deliverance doesn't have to be weird every time. Amen. They prayed for her. She got set free. And a story. She got set free. She got delivered. So Jenna's giving this testimony, and there is someone, Nick, sitting at the back of the service. He's doing sound or something, and he is the guy who couldn't get out of his room sometimes for two or three weeks on end. A, a debilitating anxiety gripped him, and he was 20 years old. And he heard this woman's story, and he said, I'd never heard God before, but I heard something tell me, Nick, this could be you. So he walks up after the testimony. We have a time of prayer every Sunday. And they pray for him. And Nick is set free. Amen. Now, Nick is, you know, he's a shy guy. He's still a shy guy. Nick led worship at our kids' VBS two weeks ago, dancing like you cannot believe. In his wildest dreams, he never thought he would ever stand on the stage. That is what liberty looks like. That is what freedom looks like. Leah hears the same testimony from Jenna. And Leah is a PK. Anyone know what that means? Pastor's kid? PK? Had never heard of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in her life. And had been very depressed. Also multiple suicide attempts. And in her words, she said, hardly a week would go by where I wouldn't think about suicide. She hears this testimony, and she's like, could that be? Could that be me? So she sits on it. She's not Nick. She doesn't go forward. A few months later, last October, we have a conference, and we, we do this little breakout session about deliverance. And I thought, oh, let's just see. Let's just see. You know, there's always a niche couple of people who want to learn about deliverance. The thing is packed. Everyone's there, and there's Leah, and she's sitting there, and she's like, fidgeting and she's like this is I'm not sure if this is for me but you know I heard people can be free she's on medication strong medication for her her um her thoughts and her, her mental health and Ken calls people forward for prayer and he just says look if there's something going on in your heart you've got a little bit of short breath or or you don't even know why and you just want prayer come forward Leah goes forward and she makes a deal with the Lord as she goes she says God I'm gonna go but Please don't make me fall. If you don't make me fall, I'll go forward. So she goes and she goes forward. Ken comes to her. Now, a little backstory. Her mother struggled with depression. She learned it a few weeks before this. Her grandmother struggled with depression. Her aunt struggled with depression. It was like this whole family line activity that they had in common. And she just learned this. She walks up to Ken. Ken has learned to hear the Holy Spirit like you can, like you can. He's learned to tune his ear to the Holy Spirit, and he begins to pray for her, and he says, hello, young lady. Ken is old. She's young. He's very respectful. Hello, young lady. 
can I pray for you? She's like, yeah. She's crying. He's like, is there something going on in your family? Has there been depression? Is it, is it in your family line? She's like, what is going on? Anyway, cut a long story short. She's flat on the floor. She said she's not that mad with the Lord because she got set free off of her medication and is walking strongly with the Lord today. Amen. One more story uh, from that conference, uh, that little breakout session. Rachel, this little 19-year-old, small little girl, she goes forward and, well, she's, she's sitting listening to the talk about depression, about deliverance like this. It's like, uh, tells her friend, this is weird. I, I, I don't believe in this. So he's got a 40-minute talk on, on deliverance, and she's like, yeah, this is, this is not for me. Ken describes if your heart is doing this and that. Next thing you know, she stands up and she starts walking forward. She's like, I don't even know why I'm walking forward. And uh, Ken begins to pray for her. She's flat on the floor. She was one of those loud, those loud ones, right? It's going to happen. Okay, just get yourself ready. It's going to happen every now and then. She's flat on the floor. She's like, I don't believe this. But there she is screaming and being set free from such deep trauma that had happened in her life. Uh, she then tells the camera guy afterwards, hey, could you send me a little video clip of that? He's like, uh, sure. And I'm like, no, dude, don't do that. I heard it afterwards. Don't, don't send it. And there's a two-minute video clip going around OSU campus of this deliverance screaming going on. And now they're having deliverance conversations in the dorm rooms with Christians who'd never heard of this stuff before. Someone's, uh, is it Jade? You said Australians love authenticity, right? Young people love authenticity. They love authenticity. They're tired of playing church. They're tired of seeing people play church. They want to see the real Jesus who saves, heals, delivers. That is the Jesus that they would be interested in if we could only begin to show them. Amen? Okay. I have no idea. When did I start? I had like a whole timer set up and everything. I just didn't say go. <laughs> Here we are. Look, if you guys are here, you, you, you've got a VCR, you're, ta you're taping the Matildas, right, or something like that. We're here. I mean, we, we may as well just go for it. Amen. Let's go Matildas. Mm. Okay, a couple of thoughts. Where do we go from here? How do, we, how, how do we go from hearing some really cool stories from Columbus, Ohio, far, far away? How do we go from that to here in the beautiful city of Sydney? I actually saw the opera house like from far, from the bridge. I want to see it this week. I'm so excited. So glad. Okay, because it's in Nemo. So everybody wants to go see it, right? Yeah. Number one, here's, here's four things. Number one, dare to believe that God wants you to be free. You. Put your name in that sentence. Dare to believe that God wants you free and not just managing the things that you're going through. Amen? We have to begin to believe it. The Greek word used over a hundred times in the New Testament for salvation is this word sozo. My friend Margaret taught me this. It means saved, healed, delivered. You need, God wants you healed and whole. Healed and whole. Amen? Because the real Jesus came to set us completely free. I remember a girl in our living room a few years ago. She, there's almost nothing she could eat with all the different food disorders she had. She didn't talk to her mama for years. There were so many problems going on. We're beginning to pray for her. Next thing, she's on the floor and she's having a moment with the Lord. 
over the next few months, she begins to introduce food back into her life. She's completely off all of her medication, and her relationship with her mother is healed. You've got to believe that this can be for you. You've got to believe that it can be for you. This is the heart of God for us. Number two, recognize that there is a stigma attached to this. I don't want to beat around the bush. Sometimes this is weird. Sometimes it's very weird. You know, a lady my mother's age inviting a 20-year-old into their living room saying we're going to do business with the Lord. Are we falling over and everything's like normal in her life? It's not normal. It's, it's weird. There is a stigma attached to this stuff. But I want to ask you, do you want your thing or a little bit of stigma? How badly do you want to be free? How badly do you want to see Sydney free? How badly do you want to see Australia on fire for Jesus? You're going to have to push through a little bit of stigma. Amen? We're doing it when we tell them about Jesus in the first place. Gone are the days where, you know, you can have a civil conversation with someone about Jesus, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> so excited that you took your time to come to my door. I mean, you're pushing through stigmas all the time in your community, aren't you? So let's just go all the way. Saved. Healed. And delivered. Amen? Especially in the first world. We think we're so evolved, so clever, so smart for this demonic activity to actually be a real thing. Let me tell you, it's real. It's real. It's real. Number three, you don't need to be weird. Okay? You don't need to be weird. Here's, here's what we find. Um, I'm South African, if you, if you haven't picked up by now. I lived there for like 22 years. I've lived in England for two years. I've lived in America for 22 years. I don't even know what my accent is. I went to New Zealand two weeks ago, and I'm like, I'm completely messed up right now. Uh, so, but, well, here's what happens in, huh, am I okay? Is it true? Okay, you're, you're like, I don't know where he's from. Yeah. Here's what's happening in America. When you say the word Pentecostal, it's almost like, oh, I'm not going to drink that Kool-Aid. You say the word charismatic, also, same thing. Uh-uh, keep me far away from it. So we're changing our language a little bit. I don't use the word deliverance so much because people watch deliverance movies and they think that's what it looks like. I tell you, Jesus wants you to be free. Jesus wants liberty for you. In America, liberty is like an American word. So I can use that all the time. Jesus wants you to have liberty and send the Bible. ESV version. Amen. Can I have a witness? Mm. So don't be weird. People are so put off by the weird. They're not put off by the powerful. They're put off by the weird. So work on yourself a little bit. Work on your language a little bit. You don't have to make a big, big noise to get the demon out. You know, when I'm trying to get my kids disciplined, and the louder I get, it actually means the less control I have. Because now I'm trying a different way to control them. I'm dead. I've got the authority. I should sit on it. You know what I mean? You are a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ who says that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Now go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and doing all the things that he told us to do. You go in the authority of Jesus. You don't have to make a big fuss. It's going to get messy, but don't be weird. Amen? Amen? Last thing is this. Often we get held up on this idea of how do we get demons in the first place. 
Now, thankfully, there's a lot of pre-believers that we're ministering to, and they're getting delivered. They don't have all the hang-ups of, you know, the Christian past. But there's a lot of Christians who grew up in church, didn't really know about the Holy Spirit. This idea of, I'm a believer, I'm a saved, born-again son of God. I don't have a demon. And we get confused with this. Am I possessed or oppressed or influenced or what? Take some of that stuff away. Just ask them, are you free? Are you free? Are you living the life that God has called you to live? Are you held up and bound up at night? Are you sleeping well? Are you, are you living a life that looks like a life of liberty? You see, the devil's strategy is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And sometimes we become susceptible to his plans, to his demons, through the trauma and things that we go through. Don't make people feel like always it's their fault that they have a demon oppression. Don't make people feel bad. You want to honor the person. Say, I, I don't know what happened. Maybe you got abused. Maybe there were difficult things going on. There are really difficult things that people are going through in your church and in your neighborhood and in your, in your schools and in your workplace. People are going through, they're going through it. We're, we're right on the campus of Ohio State. And the statistics say that something like three, 30 to 40% of women have experienced sexual trauma in college. That percentage is similar, if not more, in your church. They just don't want to talk about it. But there's things that happen in people's lives. It doesn't matter how they got there. What matters is that we want to see people free. Sometimes we've opened the door ourselves. It happens. Sometimes you do it. My friend Terry has this example. He says, you know, uh, it starts with a little toehold. You begin to dabble in something. Maybe you're starting to watch porn or you're, you're starting to open things up. And this, you're, you're opening a door and it gets a little toehold in your life. And you begin to open yourself up more and it becomes a foothold. And next thing you know, it's a, a stranglehold and then a stronghold or something. He, he does it really well. But, but what happens is it, it, it doesn't always start with this great big legion inside you. But we begin to slowly walk away from what God is doing in our lives. We begin to veer off and we, we let the horror movies come into our lives. We let the pornography that we say, well, it's not really hurting anybody. Or we begin to dabble in this or that and we're opening up our hearts to the schemes of the devil. And next thing you know, you're bound up. You're locked up. I'm not going to say possessed. We can have that theological discussion later. I don't think Christians are possessed, by the way. But I've seen many Christians under the influence of demonic activity. And Jesus wants you free. Amen. Amen. Did I shut us down? Okay. This is a demon right here. <laughs> Worship team, can I have you up, please? I... I I started thinking, how do we administrate this? And I stopped writing. I'm like, I don't know. But here's what I want to say. Jesus wants you free. Do you want to be free? Let's stand up. If you want to be free, stand up. If you want to begin to walk and be a minister of God that brings healing, salvation, and wholeness to people, let's stand up and say, God, more of you in my life. 
If you're the kind of guy who said, I don't like this stigma and it's hard for me, it's difficult for me to, to start thinking about these and walking in these things. Friends, your community needs you. The Bible says that creation cries out for the sons and daughters to be revealed. You're there, but you're not talking to them about it. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But this is the hour for us to stand up as a church. This is the hour for us to stand up. And someone said something about altars all over the place. Uh, I love that. I love the way you guys said that. I've never heard it said like that before, but it's fantastic. It, it doesn't have to be in a service. It can be in your life group, your small group. It can be in your living room. It was in Margaret's living room. It was in our living room where people are set free. And it doesn't have to be the full-time ministers. It doesn't have to be the life group leaders only. It's you. It's you. You're at an equip.